0: This is Drew here with my little sister Ashley hey. and oh yeah every time <laughs> <laughs> and um, we are on the hunt for Derek but more on that later you are listening to new release a movie podcast with a time traveling twist episode number 115
1: holy cow yeah, <laughs> what was <that>? yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Toledo and then I put them together it didn't work <laughs> oh good
0: yeah That's that's what it sounded like. So, (laughs) Ashley, when the heck are we this week?
1: Well, we're close to the end of June 1982, and with all the Atari we've been playing, it's time to hit pause on that and whip our butts back into (laughs) spandex-friendly shape. That Rocky bod fades fast, so I managed to score a bootleg copy of this new workout video that's sweeping the nation.
0: Okay, let's whip those butts. (laughs) Whip them. Come on. distributed on your
1: hands. These are called Rover's Revenge. Rover's Revenge? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it like a dog spot? It's uh,
0: hip raises. Yeah, basically like a dog peeing on a fire hydrant. Yeah. Great uh, hip flexibility in Jane here.
1: She's killing it. Yeah. And so are we. <laughs> okay, just let me
0: know when you're fully pumped and whipped.
1: Okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> Whew. Did you know that Jane Fonda's original workout video is still the uh, highest selling VHS of all time, according to some Are calculations? Really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: The highest selling workout video of all time, or just? No,
0: just period. Because oh. if you think about the audience and you think about, like, I guess just maybe pretty much every household had a copy. I mean, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. Research too thoroughly. I've definitely seen copies of it uh, in stores periodically, so they're still in circulation, but or still <laughs> discoverable <laughs> at thrift stores. But yeah, it was very popular, and that's why we are jumping on the man wagon.
1: Dang! All right, that's sweet. I did not know that. um yeah. I don't want to watch Jane Fond anymore, though.
0: Okay. So. Well, <laughs> is there anything else uh showing perhaps at the theater that well, we could watch?
1: If you remember good old stuntman Hal Needham, <laughs> the director of *Smoky and the Bandit*, is at it again with something called mega force Synopsis: A high-tech soldier with a flying motorcycle, <laughs> okay, <laughs> leads troops to the rescue of a ruler and her people. What? <laughs> that- awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean that does sound awesome. It may be too awesome. I, I, I don't know if we okay, could possibly. I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it could possibly live up to that synopsis, it's just. <laughs> And had tailor-made for a letdown so anything else yeah.
1: well there's this movie the poster looks kind of star wars-esque it's very futuristic you have like a young harrison ford holding this like really fat gun <laughs> i don't know futuristic <laughs> gun perhaps and then there's like this structure in the background there's like this pretty woman in front of him and then this other guy who kind of looks like he's from the flock of seagulls slash in a gang perhaps um it's called blade runner a chilling, Ooh. bold, mesmerizing, futuristic detective thriller.
0: <laughs> that's a lot of adjectives. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I that mean, I good. do like I do like some of those words. And I like Harrison Ford. I like big, fat guns. Um, right. Actually, I don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> not, a big, not a big gun guy. Um, the fewer guns in the present and future would be preferable for me. So <laughs> yeah, same. other than that, uh, yeah, let's go.
1: All right. Yeah, sure. Blade Runner. He's running on the edge of the future. He's running out of time. Harrison Ford. Blade Runner. Rated R now playing at a theater near you. All right. Yeah. Not as much running as advertised, but he did run a lot. There
0: is yeah. Well, there's slow-mo running, there's running and jumping through glass. There's there's running. He's not I don't I don't know what the blade exactly is, but
1: yeah, I'm not sure either.
0: (laughs) It's a metaphor, (laughs) Ashley. Um (laughs) I did notice so We obviously saw this in theaters. We're just getting out. And to pay for your ticket, you use this future technology called Venmo. And I noticed a strange reaction emoji to your payment. So what was the face palm meant to indicate?
1: That I paid for it multiple times.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. I was worried it was more of a commentary on your enjoyment of the movie.
1: Oh, no. I just had to keep buying it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay you just you wanted to go back for more went, or you yeah had we
1: watched we watched it and then i went back and watched it a couple more times
0: okay um yeah. well good that's great news i was worried so yeah truth what did be you... told
1: i kept falling asleep <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it happens i mean when you're in a packed theater and everyone's you know on the edge of their seat it's real easy to <laughs> not drink enough soda yeah uh it happens i mean i this movie you hadn't seen it before. Before I get too far into my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've never seen it. I didn't really know what it was about. I knew it was about the future, but that's all I really knew. And I thought it was like a RoboCop-esque movie, but wasn't sure.
0: Right. It's a... They say it's a detective thriller in that poster you read. There's definitely elements of of that, of plot, but the plot is not really that cohesive or that important. I mean... This is kind of the ultimate vibes movie in my opinion. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing at times from a visual standpoint, from a musical standpoint. Some of the interrogation scenes are super cool. And then there's just some dead zones in between that. Yeah. <laughs> How like did you feel like this movie was propulsive or like what were you blown away by parts of this movie or were you just kind of, you know, whatever?
1: Sadly, I was kind of like, "Eh, whatever. Yeah. I'm not uh, sure. And I think, well, I think it was really hard for me because it started off with like, and I watched a different version than you one of the times. So I think that made it harder because his voiceovers killed me. Like I hated it. I hated it so much that it was really distracting from the whole movie. And he wasn't like doing much of a detective work. I don't know. It was weird. He was just explaining, like, I just didn't like the voiceovers from the start. I was like, oh no.
0: Yeah, Harrison Ford kind of plays this like damaged um, noir type detective, heavy drinker, gruff, trying to get out of the get out of his line of work, but keeps getting dragged back in mm-hmm. uh, for one sort of one more job. It's not even fully clear like how active he is on a day to day basis, but he's needed for his specialized set of skills, which is hunting replicants. Replicants are these humanoid. Uh, droids that were created to do various kind of like menial labor and they have a finite lifespan and most of the people most of the population now lives uh off planet do they say exactly where
1: no it just is like come join another world
0: yeah but so a lot of people yeah. are left
1: behind because they have like medical or something's going on with them and they can't join the other world which is right so sad.
0: yeah so it's dystopian in the sense that this is this is another movie that's Really fun because it's set in, you know, at the time, 30 or at the time it was set, you know, like 37 uh, ish, 38 years in the future. So basically it's almost uh, 40 years to present day. But now that we're past 2019 <laughs> Los Angeles, it's fun to see such an extreme <laughs> yeah. dark version of something that we've already lived through theoretically. Uh, we've had that with a couple other movies, but it's a, it's a really distinctive uh, vision of the future. There's no denying that. And just kind of the visual uh, uh, wizardry on display for a movie that made that long ago is really impressive. Uh, Like different than star Wars, but more immersive and more of a complete world. Well, like, more tied to a real city than star wars because it's set star wars is like set in like a lot of like desert type environments and the space stuff is either on a like the inside of a ship this shows you like a lot of the world yeah Um, it's
1: very impressive i mean i'd say like the set design is probably the best i've seen in a long time and it's from the 80s which is nuts
0: yeah yeah did you read any about how they did that do that
1: I wasn't reading about that. I did read about how they did the reflection of their eyes to make them look like replicants, which was, I thought was really cool with the mirrors at a 45 degree angle to shine light into their eyes. As oh, rolling, which right. is Nuts, but so it's like, a practical like that, effect. Yeah. yeah. I just like read stuff on that, but not the actual like, set design itself.
0: Yeah. I've seen photos and, and whatnot. I mean, it's a lot of miniatures. It's a lot of just like full elaborate things. Um, hordes of people in, in costumes of course and there's this uh asian influence on the city it's um like la meets uh japan or something mm-hmm. and harrison ford sort of wears like these big jackets with giant collars
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> um, so the he costumes was, are cool
1: yeah after this he was asked he did sponsor some like 80s some japanese 80s electronic stuff after this movie came out just hmm. as an interesting tie but um but no it was like this the set was incredible and the music was so good um yeah. and just like the creativity i just wish the storyline was a little bit more fluid because it was hard for me to i was like he's not only really a detective and i was really interested in this the whole what was the test it was called I forgot again yeah the void cough test yeah. or whatever i thought that was really fascinating like the psychological aspect of the movie i really liked and i wish they'd gotten like more into that piece
0: yeah and this is based on a novel by or a short story by Philip K. Dick. I read it, I read it a long time ago, I think right after I saw this movie for the first time, so not like a long, long time ago because I was kind of late to the movie, but mm-hmm. say 10 years ago. and it's almost like the central premise of 90% of sci-fi movies is what does it mean to be human, you yeah. know as time like as technology advances and takes over more aspects of life. Like, what do we have left that is, you know, core to the human experience? Is it empathy? Is it, is it, you know, like our relationships with other people? In this case, that test is basically an empathy test. Yeah. So we actually have a clip for when he interrogates Rachel, um, one of the main characters and sort of his love interest in the movie. So I'll play that. Okay. You're reading a magazine. You come across a full-page nude photo of a girl.
1: Is this testing whether I'm a replicant or a lesbian, Mr. Deckard? Just answer the
0: questions, please.
1: Oh, a lot of smoking in this movie too. Yeah, a so ton much, of she hangs smoking. It on your
0: bedroom wall. I wouldn't let him. Why
1: not? I should be enough for him.
0: Okay, so that was um I that that part of the clip is just kind of funny because of the lesbian line, but yeah, it's she is one of the most advanced replicants. Basically, the test here is like the guy who runs the corporation wanting Tyrell. to challenge, yeah, Tyrell wanting to challenge him and see how long it takes him to figure it out, and he takes way longer than it does with some of the other. We see it one of these tests really early on, and what's the What's the question that kind of stumps? He asked a question the... about his mother. The on the original one.
1: Yeah, he asked the question. That's what gets him fired up, and then he shoots the guy. Right. He Asked a question about like his mother and like something, something, and he's like, gets really fired up and murders yeah. him.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's that that aspect of the movie philosophically is really interesting. It's got it's got everything except it's got the the visuals and uh, like the overall world and ambiance, it's mm-hmm. got the philosophical like import. It just doesn't have a real uh, propulsive plot. So right.
1: it's almost like an action movie set on like, yeah, a really thought out set. <laughs> it's just very yeah. confusing. I was like, oh, I wish the story was a little bit more developed, but.
0: He he gets tips of where there's, so there's. um Like we said, people mostly live off-world, including replicants, but sometimes replicants have, some of these replicants have found their way back here because they know about their mortality. So this is another thing that might be core to the human experience, knowing Mm -hmm. and caring that you're going to die. So did you start to feel sympathy once you understood what the replicants were here for?
1: Yeah, complete sympathy. I actually (laughs) sided with replicants, so... I was just like, "Oh that, like they wake up one day and they're like, created and they find out that they can die in like a couple of years. It's for like the four-year expiration. Like that sucks." And so they go to meet their maker, but then it doesn't go as planned. <laughs> but
0: Yeah, I guess there's really no because we don't see any good humans in the movie. I mean, Harrison Ford is uh we are following along with him. We we're, we're like seeing the movie through his perspective and and so I somewhat rooting for him to to complete his mission of finding them yeah but but in in the replicants are also like violent and dangerous so it's not like it's it's not like they're played super sympathetically but
1: There's you're not rooting human. for the
0: corporation
1: you're rooting for one of the humans
0: which uh the the toy maker did yeah the inventor
1: yeah. he was wonderful yeah not really bad for him
0: there, I mean, that's the thing. There's so many like interesting little side characters and, um, aspects. The guy who
1: creates the eyeballs and like the, the frozen like area, he was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. They had, yeah, they had such like, it did remind me kind of like Star Wars with all the different creatures and like the different, like, I mean, they're on the same planet, there's also like different aspects of like different worlds within the same planet.
0: Right. And there's some good action set pieces, like when he's chasing the one, uh, The one woman through, I guess she's working at like a a dance club. Mm -hmm. And so then he tracks her down. She unleashes, like, she's like a snake dancer or something. Yeah,
1: snake charmer. That was actually her snake. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's why she and wasn't scared of it. It was like her actual real snake.
0: Yeah. So. so he chases her through the the city and eventually like she crashes in slow-mo through yeah. a bunch of panes of glass.
1: Multiple uh, times.
0: Yeah, multiple <laughs> times from multiple angles. Uh, Ridley, Ridley Scott, the director of this, who's fresh off of Alien and Harrison Ford is fresh off of Indiana Jones um, yeah. or Raiders of the Lost Ark playing Indiana Jones. So, I mean, these two... The, the pedigree behind this film is off the charts and so were the expectations. <laughs> yeah. And then it's fair to say that audiences at the time, uh, which we got a little taste of firsthand, were underwhelmed. I mean, it's, it's so weird. It's like, I guess you don't even know at the time. Like We can look back at, uh, almost with more appreciation for the special mm-hmm. effects, now knowing how things have been changed by digital effects and yeah. at the time there it was uh, a big step forward in a lot of ways but people were bogged down you know just just not into it because of the hard to follow plot
1: yeah and even so there's one thing I read about the set design like the Tyrell's corporation or his like layer where he lived um within the corporation actually, at the top of the penthouse was like a uh-huh. nine foot thing that they created like nine feet tall by like three feet wide like just a like, whole structure just for that like shot right like
0: well that's it. such a memorable shot I mean if it's the shot when very close to the beginning of the film maybe before they escort in the first replicant to test it's just like this gold and, yeah. and beautifully lit like uh, vista from from the window mm-hmm. I mean it's just it's really hard to describe the roller coaster of excitement with this movie like I would geek out over <laughs> certain moments and then just kind of forget I was watching it. At other points, yeah, (laughs) I wasn't bored. It's just it's like you you can't maintain the awe inspiring uh, moments that it has throughout. So which would be a a, a lot to ask. But Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of wonder, we do know uh, you mentioned there's been repeated new version or repeated uh, edits of this film since it came out. Ridley Scott was very frustrated when he was trying to get this out into theaters about the studio's involvement in editing and forcing him to add the voiceover that you were describing add a happy ending, which never was part of the plan and just really handhold the audience um, in ways that that people found distracting.
1: Yeah. So. And he couldn't bring over any of his crew from the UK or anything. So it's just kind of like... Oh, really? Yeah, he wasn't allowed to bring him, so we had to use like everyone from the U.S. And it was just really hard for him, and everyone working with him was really difficult too. Like him and Harrison Ford, immediately, but were butting heads. So,
0: hmm. I, I mean, it's probably a minor miracle then that it it is is good and and has lasted. You know, like held up over time as long as it has. The main things that they change in the subsequent releases are. Just basically just removing the voiceover, making the ending uh, a little more ambiguous in terms of like showing her about to leave, but not crystal clear whether they're going to be together or not. And then, then there's of course the the debate that has partially contributed to its longevity is whether or not Harrison Ford is a, a replicant. replicant. Yeah. yeah, and what is the movie trying to take a definitive stance on that? Is the book? what did where did you fall in
1: this um it's tough because didn't you talk about so i read a little bit about it and he he talked about like dreaming about a unicorn in the U- yeah in that piece of it i just i don't know if he's a replicant or not i also read a thing about like replicants were the only ones to show like real emotion in the movie and he showed emotion toward rachel
0: right Oh, that's funny. That's an interesting reversal. So the human characters are cold and calculating and the replicants show emotion. I didn't specifically notice that.
1: Yeah. So I'm not, I don't know. I want to say that Harrison Ford is not a replicant, but.
0: Yeah, I, I think they leave it open for interpretation. My personal interpretation would be that he is because. They do. I think that's what they're trying to imply with the repeated unicorn sightings. So the guy he didn't
1: that take the
0: test, yeah, exactly. And the guy leaves him a unicorn to say, like, I know that.
1: Or you're was a it replicant. to say that Rachel's a unicorn and he's not going to kill her? <laughs> Perhaps,
0: yeah. Or some people have theorized: was it Ridley Scott was just really into unicorns because he was going to make Legend. <laughs> Um after this, <laughs> your favorite movie. And okay. he shot like the dream sequences of unicorns as test footage for <laughs> for that movie. So I like I Perfect. like that theory as well. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, okay. I, I I do that's just another example of like there's a lot going on. Uh to think there's a lot to think about with this movie. Mm-hmm. And the basic plot of him rounding up the replicants gives it enough of um, I keep saying it's not propulsive, but it gives it like man on a mission sort of like jumping from you know one to the next hunting hunting them down it's almost the execute like that that plot should be sufficient it's Mm -hmm. almost that we don't really we don't need voiceover but we need some kind of like scenes that lays out what he's doing a little bit better it's just kind of uh jumps from one to yeah. the next and we don't get any resolution or or sort of you know feel any accomplishment as he's progressing right along. and i was
1: hoping it would be something like more like seven-esque like more detective work and more like okay right. i found this clue like let me go to here it was more like i happened upon this person because i think they're gonna be here and then the other guy just jumps out and attacks them so he finds the other one it just seems yeah
0: there is a bit of detective work that is the ultimate i was talking to friend of the podcast jamie about this movie trope the other day, especially in like uh, detective TV shows where you can zoom and enhance a photo just beyond beyond any sort of realistic um, (laughs) abilities of technology. (laughs) And in this movie, they take that to the all time extreme where he is like giving uh, coordinates. He's like voice using this voice activated uh, photo enhancement software. And he says like to the right, okay, enhance, no 15 25 yeah. 31 yeah.
1: <laughs> like and it what? just
0: keeps go- like it's oh, like the the canvas of the image is somehow expanding and he's going like around a wall
1: and it's and getting like, better and better yeah
0: <laughs> yeah eventually he sees um what does he see her in the photo
1: yeah no not rachel the other the snake one right
0: uh, okay so this is how he finds the first yeah the first replicant yeah yeah. But
1: I was just—I didn't. It took me a while to get that. And I was like, "Oh, that's her." Oh, but I was like, "How did you make that photo not look like the photo anymore?" <laughs>
0: yeah, it's—it's it's, like I don't care about the realisticness. Yeah. Like once it's once it appears over and over and over in in TV shows, it's not fun anymore. But it's fun when you see it to this like degree of of uh, absurdity. So yeah, it I'm not—I'm not, well, I'm not even.
1: Time.
0: Yeah, I'm not complaining about it at all. It was a really yeah. memorable scene. If you listen to the. Soundtrack for this—that's included in one of the main. I think it's included in like the main um, theme track. It kind of starts with that and then goes into the the theme music. So why
1: wasn't that our hype music?
0: <laughs> it's actually our exit music. So oh, perfect. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, let's. Do you want to jump to the ending, or do you want to talk about anything else in the middle parts first?
1: Mm, well. <laughs> Hmm. I don't think we could jump to the editing only because he's my favorite character of the whole movie.
0: Yeah. So star of um the dog skull football movie that we watched. What was that
1: called? Oh my gosh. Uh oh, Blood shoot. of the he- Blood of Heroes. Blood of Heroes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rutger Howard or um yeah is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um Rutger, Rutger Howard. H- yeah.
1: Probably like Rutger Howard.
0: Yeah. Something. He is uh sort of like a Dolph Lundgren action type um you know blonde badass uh, blue, bright blue eyes bright blue eyes and he is the leader the de facto leader of the replicants and the last person that Harrison Ford has to confront and here's their um, emotional final scene together
1: his name's Roy Batty yeah all those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. <laughs> oh.
0: Really milking it, but it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, I loved it. Time to die. Time to die. <gasps> mm. Yeah, it's really good. And the dub flies off.
0: Yeah, so he just basically expires right then.
1: Yeah, instead of killing Harrison Ford, he decides to give a beautiful monologue. Yeah. And before that, he's talking about the things that he's experienced before. Because I wrote down the whole quote because I loved it. Um. What just, What else did
0: you want to say about him? Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say the rest of the quote at the beginning before he's talking about like the moments. The moments he's talking about are like, I've seen things you people wouldn't. Be- you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the town or I'm not sure that is gate which is like all these crazy things that like humans wouldn't experience and then the memories just go when he dies I'm like
0: ugh. so he's lived a full life presumably only four years yeah. but he's been all over the the universe and seen so that's that is the emotional crux of the movie and Harrison Ford's reaction to that is almost like he's questioning his own emotional capacity to appreciate these these things like he's been just a a soldier sort Mm -hmm. of like going through you know from one um mission to the next and this guy like replicants are created specifically for uh, a purpose and not to like stop and smell the roses so so to speak and now we know like they actually can appreciate all of that so Uh,
1: yeah yeah Yeah, it's really sad
0: it's a beautiful moment and it's like the one of the most iconic uh parts of the movie people know that quote and then that's where things kind of like uh in the newer versions there's still a little bit of follow-up with him and, and Rachel but it kind of leaves you on a much more melancholy note i can see why, why it would be so frustrating for <laughs> the director of the movie to have it go from that uh to just Reusing kind of like
1: shining footage
0: <laughs> yeah a road trip a fun road trip with harrison ford and rachel and they also throw in like some kind of line about well maybe she won't expire who knows
1: yeah just like a yeah flip it like whatever it's fine yeah yeah i don't like i didn't like that ending at all
0: We might talk about this more at the end, but there's also a sequel to this 2049 Blade Runner 2049 that was made Mm -hmm. a few years ago. I've seen that and Harrison Ford is in it. So that is a bit of a clue. And yet they don't even address like definitively that he's a replicant or not in that. So it really is in it as well. No, she's not in it as far as I remember. Okay. So
1: because she expired and he didn't because he's a human.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> just his presence makes it more um, is is definitely contributes to that side of the argument. But mm-hmm. the fact that some replicants can apparently live longer, they wanted yeah. to keep it open ended. There is a a moment where the light uh, glints off his eyes, like you were describing. Oh, there is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have it, it could have been unintentional. It's I I, I didn't notice it uh, like while watching. I just was reading that that's another piece of evidence people use to support oh, the replicant theory.
1: Interesting. So,
0: but huh. that, there's also a lot of like crazy lighting in the movie and they might not yeah, have strategically not placed, placed it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you wanted to notice, if you wanted the audience to notice it, it probably would have been a little more obvious. Yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, uh, we forgot, we, we mentioned the score a little bit. You've, we're hearing like the very sparing parts of it in, in the clips, but uh, the Greek, composer Vangelis who um, had done the Chariots of Fire soundtrack and had just continued working up until um, a couple months ago or maybe like a couple weeks ago in present day when he passed away. So just a virtuosic there's these really cool YouTube videos of him playing like basically a whole orchestra worth of music on this crazy keyboard setup. He had a pedal system so he can switch between all the different um, uh, types of music that he's, he's trying to orchestrate. And it's, it's minimal at times in this, it swells. There's like some jazz notes Mm -hmm. that are, that are like, sultry and call back to the noir uh, noir like vibes but it's just like the height of synth um the gooey synth (laughs) goodness (laughs) I don't know how sticky yeah sticky gooey uh, synthy goodness (laughs) so yeah we did not want to forget to mention (laughs) his name during the main discussion instead of saving it till the end
1: That's yeah that's about all i've
0: got um for the main part of our discussion do you have a poem for us i do i can't wait to hear it
1: oh okay la 2019 the future is effing here with flying cars (laughs) tons of pollution and there's still beer oh Hmm. and there are some vicious replicants that appear to be humans that murder people also i didn't see one church's steeple Retired Blade Runner Deckard, who killed the androids for a living, is back on the scene to hunt down a few remaining replicants. Good thing he's a killing machine. Although there's one android he can't kill, the beloved Rachel, who he ends up driving away with in the end. Oh, hell. But before all that happens, Deckard goes all over town, killing replicants with blood all over the ground. A good thing to note is that each replicant has a four-year expiration date, and they want to meet their creator to elongate their fate. The creator Tyrell says he can't help Roy and his team. So Roy smushes his head in with his brute strength. How very extreme. <laughs> anyway, Deckard hunts down the other replicants and is now left with, the one, with, the, with one, the Mr. Murder himself, the leader Roy. Things get exciting with all the chasing. Oh joy. Roy and Deckard end up on the roof where Deckard has met his match. But Batty decided to spare his life and go out with a moving monologue from scratch. Batty expires and it makes me quite sad. I guess I sided with the replicants over the humans. My bad
0: yeah which means maybe you did you do want harrison ford to be a replicant
1: (laughs) but i didn't okay before well i um didn't i don't think i like harrison ford okay
0: well that's the perfect segue so beautiful poem my favorite part was when he rhymed rachel rachel with Kel, (laughs) 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 or kill (laughs) hell I, was it hell? I think that was the second the second rhyme after kill. Oh,
1: yeah. But yeah, great job. <laughs> Thank
0: and you. yeah, we're gonna talk plenty more about Harrison Ford in a minute. So why don't we just go ahead and transition over to rank the blank? So each week we um, pay the bills by getting a sponsor for this Ooh. segment, and our fake sponsor this week is a new camera. Have you seen Kodak's magical new Kodamatic 960 instant camera? I have now. Well, let me show you how David its magic makes any voice. light just right. <laughs> really? By automatically adding just the right
1: amount of flash.
0: And it recharges itself so fast.
1: You're ready. Oh, David. For anything. Wow. Terrific. They say Kodamatic. I say Kodak magic. <laughs> I say give me help.
0: New Kodomatic instant cameras and film. It's... Capture all the magic in an instant.
1: Is David Copperfield like making her fly or something or float? He, she makes her disappear and
0: then he appears behind the picnic blanket and she appears in a tree.
1: Oh, <laughs> so <yeah>. cool.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a uh, uh, that's David Copperfield also getting paid. <laughs> so, rank the blank is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. This week's topic is Harrison Ford centric. It's going to be coolest however you want to define that Harrison mm-hmm. Ford character and really I mean we're going to mention some honorable mentions but I think we have three <laughs> main candidates yeah uh, maybe you picked you said you're gonna reveal uh, do a secret reveal for yours is yours one of those top three yeah okay cool so why don't you withhold the top three we're just gonna rank those uh, uh, we're still in the hunt for Derek so we're gonna pick one of them I guess we don't need to pick one for him because uh, one of them is from the movie. So what are some other Harrison Ford types that get represented in film?
1: Mr. President in Air Force One. Oh, yeah. Um, A fugitive in The Fugitive. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Um, And a scientist in What Lies Beneath. Is that Michelle Pfeiffer? Who's in that?
0: Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird supernatural um, erotic, somewhat erotic thriller. Huh, okay. Uh yeah, he plays these a lot of times like a guy with a important job. Um a guy that's uh on an action or adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and he is has, has just kind of like a steely um quali- smoldering quality to him, but what don't you like about him?
1: His acting. I so I thought I was really excited to watch this movie because I was like, oh, Harrison Ford's in it. And then I was like, yeah. do I even like Harrison Ford? And then I thought about the movies I've seen him in and I don't really like him as an actor. I don't think he's a very good actor.
0: <laughs> well, we did the second um, movie in the Indiana Jones trilogy, right? Temple yeah. of Doom. And I like the movie. Part of I just
1: don't think I like, I'm just realizing I don't really like him. Just kind of a I, bummer. I thought I did. I know.
0: He's had such a long and, and prolific career that I was trying to think back just off the top of my head on all the, the my most memorable like all the movies I like the most with him in it and he just doesn't have sort of the charisma uh, he the charisma or like the pop off the screen I mean some of this is intentional and to his credit that he's not Nick Cage level yeah. um stealing stealing the show but but yeah movies like Air Force One he's just meant to be kind of like uh slightly better than just your cookie cutter president type. Like he, yeah. he's not trying to um reinvent that character. He's just adding a little bit of like import and, and heft to it. Yeah. And I think I think he's good at that. He's but he like he blends into the story. He doesn't he doesn't take over except in a couple notable exceptions. So um Wait, I'll before let you... we get into those can I yeah. read
1: you a couple that would a couple of people that could have played his Role as the Blade Runner.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: And you can tell me whether or not you think they would have been better. Sure. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we have Sean Connery. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger, (laughs) Christopher Christopher Walken, Martin Sheen, Peter Falk, Nick Nolte, (laughs) Dustin Hoffman. Any of these guys? I mean, Gene Hackman, Tommy Lee Jones. Like, there's, I feel like, I don't know like Christopher Walken's
0: <laughs> the same I mean or ha- like he's he's clearly kind of like going uh, in the mold of, of a Hackman type Nick Nolte yeah. would be hilarious off the rails <laughs> and Arnold no I mean we get Arnold in total recall yeah. uh doing doing uh, his Sean thing, Connery Mare. Sean Connery I mean because of his voice and because of playing you know Bond I mean Harrison Ford's played some characters equally iconic uh, to Bond. There just hasn't been 40 of them, of the <laughs> movies, but uh, I would say you would need to go like in an extreme other direction or, you know, uh, he works, he works for me in this, in this movie, but those are, that is an interesting eclectic list of mm-hmm. options there. So I would go with Nick Nolte if I had to pick from that.
1: Okay. Just Dustin Hoffman was the original character, the original choice.
0: Oh, actually, you know, I mean, I, I love the graduate and um dustin hoffman's range as a performer he can play uh affable and I, he would be really interesting in in this role he's not usually playing badass <laughs>
1: yeah that's what he that was his main comment back he's like he wasn't sure why he was asked to play like a macho character like that's not really him yeah. So he wanted to change the character a bit, but then it obviously didn't work.
0: Yeah, I I would actually love to see that that version, but the problem is you need, I mean, that's the thing, Harrison Ford is meant to be kind of stiff in this movie, because one, they want to make you question whether or not he's human, and two, yeah. that actually adds contrast to the replicant characters that perhaps show even more emotional depth. Mm. So okay. yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting choice. I think so this is Harrison Ford a uh, few years. You know, we just watched Star Wars for the podcast. That's 77. Indiana Jones, uh, like I said, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 81. So, I mean, he just played two of the most yeah. iconic <laughs> characters of all, of all time. He's never going to reach. He's never going to... Um, play a more iconic character than Han Solo or Indiana Jones. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> with that true. said, um, uh, the nomination for the movie is Decker. And which one of those two are you picking? Actually? Indiana Jones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, why so?
1: Um, I like that he has a whip. I like, it's like more like an adventure. So I don't have to focus on his acting. I like the side characters. I like his character in general. I think it's like an action figure. Also Han Solo is too. Yep. This might like be tricky. I think, I don't know. It's tough
0: because I just don't really like Harrison Ford. So, um, it's, I looked back on our, our Temple of Doom episode to see what the rank, the blank was for that. And it was yeah. best weapon, um, because of the whip.
1: Oh, yeah. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure we hadn't already ranked Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford characters or something. I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, going off of Star Wars, they basically cast Harrison Ford as Han Solo, but with the whip and, but with, Car, you know, like on the ground instead of in space. Yeah. So those characters are very similar, and Decker, uh, Decker definitely has the fashion going yeah. for him. I'll yeah. take the, his his coats with the giant collars over <laughs> the um Indiana Jones's hat and Han Solo's uh, Han Solo's hair is cool.
1: Yeah, um, it's nice.
0: Baggier. <laughs> I think. I mean, this leaves me. I'm not going to pick any of the the random. Um, yeah uh, sort of lesser roles that we talked about so uh, that that leaves me with han solo and i think the case for han solo is one it's such an expansive and mm-hmm. uh weird and and uh extended universe of of characters and he still sticks out as like the cool you know most human character in the mm-hmm. well most likable human character yeah in the he's bunch. funny yeah yeah so I think he really shines in comparison to uh the rest of the the like in contrast to that world he gets to be the cool like rogue agent that's just doing his own own thing but and and decker decker is cool in the classic sense like he's emo- like he's emotionless and he's just <laughs> um like going about his business without being bothered by by all the shitty things happening around him so yeah.
1: we should have gone with like most like a replicant without being one or something
0: yeah or Like some
1: type of like sci-fi because what's the movie the really good one with Christian Bale where you have to like burn all the art and there can't be like an emotion and like pers- the do you know what I'm talking about it's really good Hmm. It's a lot, it's really, I'll have to look it up and get back to you but it's really it's a really good movie
0: Rain of Fire no it's no. <laughs> a dragon movie <laughs> Okay, equilibrium well, oh yeah 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 yeah
1: the movie's it's incredible. kind
0: of like a matrix style really like stylized action dystopian mm-hmm. movie yeah.
1: yeah so good but anyway um decker's last for me
0: <laughs> i think that's fair i i mean it's definitely fair the the challenge is just going to be Indy versus han solo and we can do it there's there's the original trilogy for both of them Han Solo appears in uh, some of the new movies and there I I think he appears in some of the new indie movies but let's just kind of let's keep it simple and compare the two core uh, trilogies and I don't know whether it comes down to which universe we like him in more or
1: he's more of a character in Han Solo you think so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
1: so I would probably go Han Solo and and then Decker
0: yeah, I mean, he's the lead in Indiana Jones, but it's kind of—I
1: don't think he's a leading man.
0: So you, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you in the sense that he, like I said, he has more appeal when you get him in shorter doses, and you don't have to just kind of like spend the whole movie with him. He can come in really, mm-hmm. really hot and <laughs> yeah, in Star Wars and make his make a big splash and then we can focus on other other stuff so yeah
1: so i okay hansel it is
0: cool well we don't have a clip but that's okay
1: <laughs> make some laser no- noises some lightsaber <laughs> 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 Bing, bong.
0: He, he uses the he uses a blaster not he never oh. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he holds a lightsaber at some point but he pretty he much holds is it just and a, drops it's like <laughs> yeah he's just a blaster guy
1: oh, okay okay so.
0: Cool. Well, Han Solo, Indiana Jones, and then Decker, and it's not particularly close. And from like the drop-off to (laughs) after those two. But if we had ranked like biggest, most iconic characters of all time, I mean, he's just got two of the top 20. So, (laughs) I mean, that's, it's pretty good. Like it's a epic run that he was on with those two franchises. So good for him. He was doing something right, obviously, despite, you know, what you think. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is kind of the gun, his guns, not his blaster guns, but his, uh, arm guns in Indiana Jones. So,
1: oh yeah. He always has a gun.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, biceps.
1: Oh, that's your I was like, what? <laughs> blaster. Okay. <Never> mind. <laughs> so he does have a gun. Did he ever shoot a gun in Indiana Jones though? Didn't he?
0: Oh yeah. He I'm sure. He didn't just constantly use a whip. Well, he it's like, not very effective. he uses the whip to knock guns out of people's hands for sure. I'm or sure. To grab
1: a gun. Did he use a whip to grab a gun and then use it? sure that happened. Let's say yes. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Um,
0: okay, well that's it for Rank the Blank this week. Thanks to Codomatic and magic and, and David Copperfield. Copperfield. Yeah. <laughs> and Jane Fonda. Man, what a oh, yeah. cast of of celebrities we have this week. But it's time to return to our conversation and wrap this Blade Runner debate up once and for all. cut kind it of short actually ah. i'm excited <laughs> it's wrapped up <laughs> what if what if the critics and the populace at large been saying about blade runner
1: uh there's a lot of good reviews out there the audience and the critics which i was surprised by because well, these a weird are movie.
0: these are wrong because they had reading... it when it
1: first came out i feel like it probably wasn't as well received since yeah, it came def- out during the same time as like some really like et and some other movies that we're gonna see
0: yeah, well, E.T. was dominating everything, but this movie has complete the reputation of this movie has completely changed over time. It was not well received, well liked at first. Uh, we do have a little clip here from one well known critic who Loved people it. didn't people didn't just straight up hate it. They they expressed kind of the mixed reaction to some of the things we talked about. So let's hear Ebert.
1: It's a great movie to look at, but a hard one to care about. I didn't appreciate the predictable story, the standard characters, the cliffhanging cliches, but I do think the special effects make Blade Runner worth going to see. I agree with
0: part of your review. Predictable cliches. (laughs) <laughs>
1: what about the special
0: effects? Dazzling for the first 20 minutes and then what? I mean, the story oh, goes yeah. no place as far as I'm concerned. I invested a lot of energy I in this movie watching it because it was so striking looking. And Harrison Ford is a, an attractive actor a killer, and he <laughs> does and take us through any adventure that he's in. But I'm sitting there halfway through the picture saying, where is this going? And when it's over, I think I've wasted my time. Wow. Oh, yikes. Ebert? I mean,
1: I don't disagree. <laughs>
0: Well, okay. I mean, I think I am totally in line with Ebert in the sense that even if you had, weren't fully satisfied by the plot, if you recommended this to someone, maybe we'll get into this in our recommendations, Mm -hmm. like, and they didn't end up having, um, it's a worthwhile experience for the visuals alone, in my opinion, but you kind of, you think it feels more like a waste?
1: Um, well let's go to how it didn't No, Okay, fine. Yeah. I try. So I try to watch it a couple of times and visually it is beautiful, but I, the story gets me to not like it. I just can't, yeah. I finished. And I was like, uh, I was like, man, this could have been so good. And it kind of bummed me out.
0: Yeah. So. I have this, I have the, uh, the reverse reaction to some movies that are just all right, but they end really well. And the whole thing feels worthwhile. I hate to use this example because I like the movie Easy A, but I I think like it just has such a satisfying like conclusion. Some movies just really stick the landing, and then retroactively you mm-hmm. love everything about it more. Um, and then other movies like this, uh, the like I described earlier, this movie is a roller coaster. Like you're gonna be you're gonna have your mind blown, but by the end, and you know, and you that monologue that moved you happens right at the end. And then the next ending ruins it. So that's what i was
1: going to say is I was like, I don't know about this movie. Like the whole movie. I was like, I like this part, I like this part. I'm not sure. And then you get the monologue. I was like, this movie is great. And then it kept going. I was like, well, you know, like I was on board if he had just died. And then the, that, the movie just ended. And I don't care about Rachel. Like I couldn't care less what happened there. Yeah. Like, I just wanted to be like, Oh, he died and he like saved his life. And, Harrison Ford could give like a little monologue. Like he saved my life. Maybe I should be better. Whatever he wants to talk about. And then the movie's done. And I think I would have walked away being like, huh, that's actually, that was pretty good. But instead I got a different version.
0: Okay. Well, and that's in fairness to the movie now, um, that's the version you will get. And that's the version that Ridley Scott always wanted to make. So unfortunately this movie was uh, sabotaged. By yeah. the studio it's really rare that like it's such a fine line between being satisfying and mm-hmm. you know something is seemingly is well I guess I shouldn't say changing the ending is unimportant but like <laughs> the voiceover shouldn't have ruined the movie it just it it just takes you out of the the, the tone and the immersiveness of it it, it mm-hmm. like it distracts from it and there's so much of it that it does kind of Um, torpedo the movie and then of course yeah like changing the tenor of the ending is going to have a dramatic uh, reaction but most of the time people argue over like oh is the director's cut better is it worse like it's really not that much different in this case it might that little difference those little differences might uh completely change your reaction
1: yeah and it did unfortunately and they could have done something like razorhead where they had very little Um, talking and I loved it
0: you know (laughs) well ironically uh, we skipped over Dune David Lynch's uh, adaptation of of the classic book for 1984 and they did some of the same things they like forced him to superimpose this like talking space head to explain the plot I mean he was making something resembling a David Lynch experience and that obviously wasn't going to work for like ip that was on the level of they wanted dune to be the next you know star wars type franchise That's such a bummer yeah yeah so his mm-hmm. so they it, it happens a lot but i'm not sure it's unfortunate that, that Ridley scott didn't have a little more cachet after making alien yeah. but
1: so um how's it how did it do in the box office i know we talked about like et being like destroying everyone but did this movie show up
0: it beat megaforce
1: oh cool <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Megaforce uh, is down at number nine with two million. Rocky three still in the mix with five million at number four. I'm going out of order here. Poltergeist still in the mix at number seven, um, and just Way ahead of, of those, <laughs> yeah, just ahead of those at number two is Blade Runner with six million. Okay, and quite a few th- like had a had a wide release. And what's crazy, uh, our movie from. Uh, last week E.T. is gaining money each week (laughs) so not only is it still number one it went up 10% at the box office so it's got this competition from Blade Runner and Megaforce and a mystery movie that we'll talk about in a minute that came out the same weekend and yet everyone's going getting their sci-fi fix from uh, Spielberg's E.T. and that will continue like through Christmas. So.
1: Okay. <laughs> Dang, that's impressive. Um yeah. would you consider so I think I know your answer and my answer, but would you mm-hmm. consider this movie a new release then or old news based on like legacy remix, remakes want more, you want to recommend it to a friend, you want to recommend it to everyone? What yeah, I mean, think? we
0: got the sequel. That was uh, the sequel is this has all the virtues of this movie at times as well the sound the cinematography they use practical effects there's this cool um uh water-based like fight with harrison ford in a in a replicant so and jared leto's playing like the tyrell character i think um okay who's (laughs) the actual
1: who's the blade runner
0: ryan gosling
1: oh so is this movie good I've never yeah
0: seen the the new one is good but it's it's three hours long like every everything over time gets <laughs> okay. expanded and there's you could you might like it more but you'd have some of the same complaints for sure okay. um, that all that said uh, it's this is a pretty easy answer for me but I totally see why. Uh, I'm acknowledging all the flaws with it, but it's definitely a new release, like just a sight to behold at present day. Um, that that holds up visually as well as when it came out. I would I would assume.
1: I would say, oh man! I would say new release if you mute it and put it on subtitles.
0: Well, you can't mute it.
1: Oh, because the music. Ah. <laughs> Can you just remove Harrison for talking from... Well, I guess the other version has that. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, shoot. I didn't, like, love this movie, but I could see why people would really, like, just to, visually, it's very, very cool. So I'm going to go with new release, but I went into this thinking old news, but I think new release, I think it's, like, a cool... It has some really awesome, like, inventions and, like, different things in it that you're like, I've never seen this before, which is cool. I,
0: I, I think you're showing some personal growth here, like... <laughs> Reflecting back on the movie, probably not. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not like a movie that you're gonna put on on a regular basis, maybe every no. ten or fifteen years. But like when probably when you think when you do like a little rewind in your mind and you think about the, all the good things, they do outweigh your annoyance. Mm-hmm. It's just the the bad things are so. <laughs> yeah. It's just the, the bad things are the end of the movie. And
1: right. in the and, beginning
0: in <laughs> kind of like the through line throughout, mm-hmm. but like, there's a lot of really awesome elements and moments. So, um, yeah.
1: yeah. I like the acrobatics too, from, um, the, one of the robots. I forgot. To mention
0: yeah. That. Yeah. The, there's like a gymnast, um, uh, a woman it? who, you yeah. know, Bo Derek. Yes. Bo Derek yeah. plays one of the, the replicants.
1: Yeah. I thought that was cool. I thought the love that Bo Derek and um it's daryl hannah by the way oh i thought it was, shoot daryl hannah i got yeah. confused but the love between daryl who's in kill bill and the other guy oh yeah she's a babe um i thought their love was really sweet i felt bad for them
0: yeah, yeah. i mean we didn't endi- talk at all about the rachel uh, decker relationship oh, because uh. it's kind of blah
1: yeah so that's, that's another the thing that showed showed more emotion
0: yeah. And they have like a, a much more sympathetic goal in mind. His goal is to just, you know, capture these replicants and their goal is to not um, perish. So. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's rank this sucker.
1: Oh yeah. On a scale of zero to 82. How early eighties is this movie? Music, cast, everything. Um, I mean, this is, this, this is a classic
0: is... movie that breaks our scale because it's set yeah. in 2019. Yeah. But we've lived through 2019. Uh <laughs> and it doesn't look like this. It right. looks this is an 80s version of what the future would look like for sure. Yeah. Very 80s sound, very 80s costumes, very 80s lighting, very 80s actors. It just happens not to be set in the 80s.
1: Yeah. Right now we have ET with 82 out of 82. So um, <laughs> yes. in Poltergeist with 81, Stranger Things Part, Stranger Things 4, Part 1, 80 out of 82. I mean, it's not gonna It's be- right up there,
0: though. I mean, like, yeah. in my opinion, because it's, it's I, the way I guess that I've sort of started to understand our scale is does it feel like a product of its time in a good way? I mean, it yeah. doesn't have to be a good or bad thing, but for the most part, the ones that, I like the most like it feel very much like they could have only come out when they did mm-hmm. and they've been been influential and you see elements of ET of course <laughs> in yeah. in modern stuff but like they just feel so rooted in the time from a technique standpoint and and everything else it make, takes you back to that time
1: uh, So with
0: that said what do you think
1: Oh man it's not going to be DT
0: No I mean it's probably not going to be it's- poltergeist i got 80 81 and 82 already counted for so is it 79
1: <laughs> it's i think it's more 80s than rocky 3
0: yeah yeah which is a 76 let's just yeah. do 79 which why 79. don't we just keep... go in order yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that sounds good okay so i got 79 all right so each week when you we watch a movie we take something from the movie and make it our own and then sell it in our new release gift shop um right now we have quite quite a mix um we have a tractable sword letter opener we have new release robes which are amazing and they're super comfortable oh yeah um we have a new release dnd character bios that are for sale which i love and those are selling out like wildfire um what are we going to take from this movie organic horns
0: yeah there could be a you know like a little um unicorn uh, horn I feel like we did origami oh. at some point. Oh yeah, you got oh, something?
1: Y- oh, you think we did origami? Because I was gonna say it'd be cool to do like an origami booklet and then one would have like the silver paper for the unicorn, but not everyone would. Kind of like a Willy Wonka and the Charlie or Charlie and Chocolate factory ticket. Oh,
0: like if you get it, you're a replicant.
1: Or something. I don't know. Or like you win a pro or you win something if you get like the special origami paper. I don't
0: know. Um, yeah, let's do an origami surprise. <laughs> okay. Um, surprise kit so whatever you get in your kit it'll tell you something about like it'll be a past memory that you may or may not remember that may or may not have been implanted in you or maybe you experienced it firsthand who knows
1: (laughs) i like it i like that a lot origami kit memory kit
0: yep cool
1: all right so what are we gonna watch next week something futuristic or (laughs) sci-fi
0: Yes, um, I think it fits. <laughs> it fits the bill. Um, speaking of, kind of like some of the most impressive and awesome effects for the time. Yeah. Totally different type of effects in this movie. Um, it's not. It's it's a pretty grounded world for the most part, like the environment. But then, oh, there's something foreign that comes into the environment, something. Um, ah, something is like a thing you've never (laughs) seen before so here it is its
1: origin alien location antarctica age unknown intent survival destination man John Carpenter's The Thing, the ultimate in alien terror, rated R, starts Friday at a theater near you. That sound in the background, too. Yeah. Uh...
0: Destination, man. And we're also going to have another epic score to discuss. These movies came out the same weekend, Blade Runner and Thing, so, and Megaforce, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Megaforce. Don't forget about that one. We've we've said it um, every week, probably, but this month was a crazy time in movies and E.T. was sucking all the life out of the room from an alien standpoint, but we will put the thing head to head with Spielberg's stupid little E.T. creature next week (laughs) and see which one, see which one perseveres. So yeah, I can't wait for that.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited. Thing is an incredible movie. So
0: yes. All right. Well, if you want to follow along with that and the rest of the summer of 1982, you should subscribe to the podcast by searching new release on Spotify or Apple or follow us on and or follow us on Instagram at
1: New release podcast. Okay.
0: Well, Ashley.
1: Um, oh man. Oh man. Sometimes I think of these things that I don't. That's a shape.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think that qualifies as a don't. <laughs> oh no <laughs> here's that gooey synthy goodness that we promised
1: it's Harrison Ford to be like 31 12 zoom in, zoom out
0: I skipped over that part but oh, bummer. but this is kind of them introducing the world unbelievable So rich.
1: It was just one guy doing this whole thing.
0: Yeah.